there's always this feeling of like not having access. Mm-hmm. And, and even as you told that story, I'm kind of reframing what I was thinking about us talking about a little bit. So I hope you'll go with me here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's something interesting to where do you look for access? Hey, Dan. Hey, George. What do you got for us today? We've had a pretty unique experience over the last 13 years. I I was just thinking back to it. Do tell. The other day. When when I first started as a freelance designer, I was 23, 24. I don't know. You're better with dates than that I'll sounds good. That okay. sounds good. I, I was like early. Go, go at 25. Cause that's when you could first rent a car. And it sounds like a milestone. I don't think I could rent a car. I remember going to a conference and I couldn't, well, then you were less than 25. I couldn't book the car. That's right. Which I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. That's so but I'm anyway, fighting wars, but we can't rent cars. No, okay. you can dig, you can smoke a cigarette and do a lot of things. Anyways. Anyways, we're not going to go political. Okay. Um, but I, I was thinking back to early on, and we've talked about this before, early on, what got me into conversations was just the fact that I, I nerded out on this whole thing called user experience, UX mm-hmm. design, right? And so I was looking at everything that was coming out of the app store and trying every SaaS app that was on mm-hmm. the internet. And, and then I was just basically sharing that knowledge. And it, it got me access to conversations with people that I I maybe didn't have any business talking to these people at that age or at that experience level. Now, when you say access, Mm. yeah, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, I'll use a specific example. Okay. So my first client was an entrepreneur that I was building his social platform, right? This is Motostu back in the day. Um, Before that, it was called CarFX. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was an awesome client. And I worked with him for about a year. And... um, and for the most part, it was me just working with him and then his, his team. Um, but then I started to network in Kansas City and started to build relationships with other individuals, including a local agency who had been around for a long time here in Kansas City. Hmm. And they would bring me into these conversations because they had a legacy. Mm-hmm. They would open these doors to, to having a conversation with someone like a big local um, hospital network, which ended up being the springboard for how Crema got started and for how you and I started working together. And I remember being in that room as they were telling me about this project and inviting me to go meet with the marketing team of this like, you know, $100 million, whatever, a huge organization. And again, I'm like 24 years old thinking, how did I get access to this conversation? But that access, that learning experience from just kind of stepping into that room and being a part of it ended up being what you and I would take to, to basically open all the other doors that we'd walk into for the next 12 years. Yeah. It got me thinking about this, this topic or this idea of access mm-hmm. and in the insight that a person gets from having access mm-hmm. or maybe the feeling that sometimes we have that we think we don't have enough access. Mm -hmm. 
I'm curious to hear from you. What, when was the last time that you were, you were like surprised to walk into a situation where you're like, how did I get here? Like, how was I in that? I was in, how am I in this space? Whatever that means. It could be somebody like a celebrity. It could be somebody that was like a high end, a high, high, I don't know, business person, or it could just be like a, a hard conversation or a group of people that you're like, this is a really unique, fun moment. Like where, mm-hmm. where was the access that you, you, you're like, man, how, how in my life did I end up here at this spot at this time? Mm-hmm. Good question. Uh, okay. This might work. So let's see, how old was I? I was in college. I was probably 21, 22, junior or senior year of college. And this, I think this connects to how I am seeing the benefit or maybe using the word loose uh, stewardship of, of acts, the access yeah, you have been yeah. given yeah. is, so I was at a conference um, and the topic was around um, well, the speaker was talking a lot about, um, relationships. So the, the, the conference was around relationships and he got on relationships with your, um, significant other. And I was, um, dating and considering, um, proposing to my now wife. And at that moment in a, in a man's life, you're just like, Oh my gosh, did you just, you know, you're nervous, biggest decision. What do I do? And so for me, I was like, man, I would really love, and this conference was huge. It was probably, I don't know, a thousand people or whatever. And I'm like, man, I would really like to talk to that guy who knows if, you know, that may not happen. And for whatever reason, I was walking out of it was in this huge hotel and I was walking out in the lobby and he's standing by the, the door that I walked out <laughs> talking with some other person. And I just was like, Hey, I, I would like to talk to you. <laughs> I just, I was like, yes. he was right there. And I just said, I was like, I just, I'd like to talk to you. And he goes, I can see by the look on your face, you would really like to speak to someone. So meet me over, you know, at that table, a coffee shop or whatever in half an hour. So he did. And I got access to this guy. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about relationship and we talked about, you know, and he shared stories from his relationships and marriage and all that stuff. And it was really good. You know, okay. It sounds um, trivial. 21 year old kid wanting to talk to a guy about, you know, relationship and marriage. Yeah, at but point. at that point, that information was really valuable to me because yeah. again, I just wanted to bounce ideas off of someone. Hey, is it normal to be this nervous? You know, this is a huge decision, all of these things. Um, and he was able to share like, oh yeah, I was there too. I'll let, let me, I, I can one up your story. Let me tell you about this. And he was just able to put a different perspective on it. The, the, I guess the, the, maybe the underlying thread there, the connecting thread to what we're talking about is for whatever reason, I was able to get access to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to have a conversation. Yes, I was seeking information, but which is the important thing there, but I was able to hear about that information in a way that was contextual. Yeah. It was, it opened up my perspective and the way I view things. And then from that, I was able to use that information um, for other insights later down the road, whether it's like, you know, 
you know, you asking find your a, wife to marry, yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> asking, asking my wife to marry me. You get in situations when you are married, you know, you're figuring things out of, you know, just, you know, the dynamics within your relationship. And you, I was able to go back to a lot of that advice or what, whatnot, that information. And then I was able to, and then at some point down the road, I was able to share that with, you know, um, people, if I'd been married, you know, six or seven years, I was able to, they're like, Hey, what have you learned? I'm like, Oh, well, let me tell you what I've learned. So I was able to then kind of repay forward that information. So long story short, but that was kind of like where my mind went of like, okay, where did I get access? And that information was extremely helpful. That story just came back. I have no idea why. But I think it that's did. a great one. <laughs> I, I kind of threw that to you. We didn't prepare that. Um, I, I think it's a great, that's a, honestly, that's perfect because it just made me think about a bunch of situations that were similar to that. What the reason I wanted to talk about this subject and you, you mentioned it already that there's a stewardship that comes with access. There's insight that comes from having that moment of access, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for you. And then it tends to be that for lack of better words, like access begets access, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. one, because you get more comfortable stepping into those moments, mm -hmm. recognizing when you, you do have the ability to collect insight. You do have access that you didn't even realize you had until you're like, oh my gosh, if I just looked up for a second and looked around, look where I'm standing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us hold ourselves back, especially in you know, business decisions and leadership decisions. And um, maybe if you're an individual contributor and you, you feel like you're trying to figure out what your, your path for growth is, there's, there's always this kind of, ex, I'm going to say excuse. It may be mm -hmm. just a feeling, but oftentimes it's used as an excuse of like, ah, I don't have access. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get to talk to the CEO. Mm -hmm. I don't get to name whatever it is you want access to. I don't get to work on that team. Mm -hmm. You know, they're working on the cool stuff. I don't get to work on that team. I don't get to, um, you know, hang out with that group of people that seems to be just like flourishing. I'm stuck on this other team that's struggling, or I'm, you know, sitting in this room doing user interviews for 12 hours straight. I am exaggerating, but you get the idea. There's always this feeling of like not having access. Mm -hmm. And, and even as you told that story, I'm kind of reframing what I was thinking about us talking about a little bit. So I hope you'll go with me here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's something interesting to where do you look for access? Mm -hmm. And we might not call it that, right? Maybe, maybe another way to say it is like, where do you look for the opportunity to step into that discomfort of like mm -hmm. literally just saying, eh, excuse me, can I just ask you a question? Right. Can I, can I bug you for just one second? Right. Or I, don't, I, I just need to talk to you. <laughs> okay. So when you were telling that story, the one I thought of was I was at Big Omaha, the first Big Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, which is incredible, a little small creative mm -hmm. conference. And they, they just did such an incredible job. And um, Kevin Rose walked mm. by. Kevin was the founder of Dig and back, I mean, this was like really popular early 2009, probably. And I had watched his podcast for a long time and I was kind of a fanboy. And he walked by and I saw him and it was like Kevin Rose. <laughs> and literally out loud, I just went, Kevin. <laughs> and he turned around and I was like, Thanks for being here. <laughs> well, I was, 
it's good I to was, see you. It's good to meet you. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, cool. And he kept walking. And I turned back around to the group of people I was with and they were like, what was that? <laughs> so that was it just came out. <laughs> I, they were like, wow, talk about a fanboy moment. I was like, I was beat red. I knew that I, I just had made a fool of myself. I had an opportunity for access there. Yeah. I didn't handle it quite right. But, but another time at Big Omaha, I know Jeff Slavowski, which was one of the <clears throat> organizers of this event. And um, Ed Williams was there, one of the founders of Twitter. And um, I just literally walked up to him because he had come off a stage and he was off to the side. And I, I said, I you know, well, I guess I could go mingle with these people over here, but nobody's walking up to him because they don't want to bother him. I was mm -hmm. like, he looks kind of bored. I'll just go say hi. So I walked over and started chatting. Most of it, we just talked about family and kids mm. and just like life. But I asked one question. I said, you know what? We help clients build big platforms. Um, we're, we're moving towards more enterprise clients, et cetera. I said, what's the one thing that surprised you over the years from building Twitter? And he said, he like, without hesitation, he goes, that my platform could start a war. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it was this idea that he basically was like, it was during the, when um, the Egyptian uprising was going on mm -hmm. and basically the government, and this is all public knowledge, but the government was like, you can't shut down Twitter. This is the primary form of communication. And it's that, that level of access just to walk up. I think mm -hmm. you, you kind of pointed that out of most people aren't willing mm -hmm. to step in. We talk a lot about this, to step into that discomfort mm -hmm. of just going up and, and saying, can I have access? Can I talk to you? Yeah. Can yeah. I, I think there's a really, um, uh, a good clarification here. Some people listening to this might be like, well, that's good for you guys that you happen to get that access, but that's not for everybody. 100%. Yeah. And that's not what we're saying. We're not here to teach you how to go get access. Cause that, uh, from in the biggest big wig VIP rooms, cause that's and not I was at the right time, the right place. Exactly. Yeah, sure. A lot of times it is right time, right place. However, <laughs> or Mr. Speaker, I just need to talk to you. Um, but that doesn't excuse um, opportunities such as what we might term either mentorship or sponsorship, which is really just gaining access. So if you're at a company, yeah, real quick, and you have, you know that you have, um, you can make a contribution, you have insights to share, or you want to learn on how to do that. Yeah. There are uh, two ways around mentorship and sponsorship. And really what those fancy words mean is I want to partner with you because you're, um, you're further along in your career yep. than where I am. And I would love to learn from you. I would love for you to teach me, but also I would love for you to challenge me with projects that might be projects that either the idea started in another level of access that I don't have, but I would love to either participate, contribute, really take the initiative to show that I want to participate Initiative's in those, yeah. in those types of projects. And so that, um, you may, you still may not get it. You could ask and they say, well, I don't have the time, but that doesn't excuse walking up to that person to say, Hey, I really admire the way you lead. I would really love to learn from you, even if it's once a quarter or even it's just one time, yeah. but I would love to learn from you. And if you ever think that you need someone extra on this really key project. I would love to throw my hat into the ring. 
and that, that doesn't guarantee yeah, success. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it's, I think yeah. Go ahead. What we're we're not trying to describe is not success. Right. We're not trying to say, here's how you succeed in life. Mm-mm. What we're saying is, how do you start tuning yourself to look for the opportunities for to get access, maybe to to just dip the toe into or to kind of move towards the access that you want. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is where you're going as well. Or how do you take advantage of the access you already have? Exactly. Exactly. And I think there's a clear distinction here is that if you have all the information, which is a very valuable resource mm-hmm. anywhere, I mean, that's where probably the saying, you know, people only fear what they don't understand. It's because they don't have the information in the context. Right. Is if you have information, it's your responsibility, obviously with with wisdom and discretion to share it. Uh, cause, and to share it through insights, use the information and create and share insights with those around you, whether it's your own team, it's your clients, it's users. If you're working on a product, whatever that may be, yep. um, there's information that you get by having access to whatever that looks like, and then turning that information into something useful, which are, which is those insights. And where we're going next is, yeah, everyone has some type of access, no matter where you're at. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think. It's interesting, especially in a large organization, purely by nature of the size of the organization, you can only know so much, right? You can't know how everything in the operate in the, in the company works, how like every HR decision works next to every operation decision, next to every marketing and sales decision, next to every board decision, next to mm-hmm. the way that you're going to practice design, right? Like it wouldn't be efficient. It wouldn't be effective for someone to have to know all these things. And so what's interesting is the the organizations that we've seen be really effective, both large or small, they do try to foster some level of accessibility, Mm -hmm. meaning this information is accessible to you if you need it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to know it. It doesn't mean that it has to be something that you need to dwell on or worry about, but it's accessible to if you need to know it. So for example, if a, well, even the way Crema runs, if someone wants to talk to you or I, or just ping us a flack, right? I mean, or right. just, well, when we were in the office, it was like, just walk by and say hi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now we're a small organization. There's a, there is a direct accessibility just purely based off of size. As you get larger, the, the insights that you're looking for are going to change. So a CEO may really be curious about the user analytics of their, their product mm-hmm. that's in the, the, in the market. So they don't have firsthand experience to that, or maybe they want to know how are users responding to this? Well, they're not sitting there doing user testing sessions usually, but the designers are. Mm-hmm. So the designers have this unique access to information that the board or the C-level team doesn't know yet. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be used for both good and bad. Uh, hopefully they use it for good where they say, hey, this is information we can use to make our product better, to serve our customers better, to make the organization better. Mm-hmm. Um, some people hoard that information, which is unfortunate. Yep. Um, on the flip side, a board or a C-level, they know what budgets look like for the next year. They know what the, you know, or the, the, the CEO or COO knows what the board cares about or what their investors care about, right? Um, they know what needs to be communicated that way. 
and the designer may not know that information yet. Now the designer right. could ask, the designer could go to the CEO and say, hey, we're designing this new feature. What, what's going to move the needle for our next round of investment? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a question. They don't have to answer it, but like, like you walking up to you, that speaker, hey, can I talk to you about something for a second? <laughs> Uh, Kevin, I, th- I think back to that now. I'm <laughs> just like such a funny thing. Um, you said something interesting earlier, George, about how access begets or basically breeds more access to um, as leaders. Um, and there's been a hint here around this responsibility of information as well. This runs responsibility to share insights is that you can't know it all as a leader. The, right. uh, an organization right. will not thrive or flourish on your intelligence only. And that true leaders, when they have that information, um, it's, they don't have a posture of, okay, I'm going to take my intelligence and I'm going to divide it into 12 and split it across the whole company. And that's all we're going to do. Yeah. Um, what that does is that just reduces and kind of draws back the overall collective intelligence of the organization. It's a hoarding what, of it, really. That's right. What yeah. real leaders do is they share their insights and insights beget more insights. Right. And that's when a truly a learning organization comes about is that they want to improve the overall intelligence of the organization by creating almost this game. And it's not a bad game. It's a, it's a collaborative game of one up. It's like, Oh, interesting. And then this, Oh, interesting. And then this, and before you know it, you've magnified the overall intelligence of the organization because as a leader, you've said, Nope, I'm not going to hoard knowledge. I'm not going to hoard information. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm going to share insights knowing that the people I have around me are amazing and brilliant. And we're going to have more insights and we're going to be able to share more insights with our clients, our customers, right. which again, begets more insights. And I think it's all, it's a multiplication effect. Whether you're working in like incremental innovation or disruptive innovation, it's all about connecting dots. Absolutely. And without, without approaching or looking for that access to those insights on an ongoing basis, like constantly, and I guess this is the idea of exploration, right? But you can't just, it's, I think it's really hard to just go like, go explore, mm-hmm. go find a new idea. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we've all got lots of good ideas. The best ideas that I think we've seen are the ones that are, they're, they're stepping stones between each other, right? They're this ability right. to say, oh, you know where I came up with this idea because I was talking to this person mm-hmm. in that department. And they mentioned something the customer said about X. Or I was talking to this person at this other company, which gave me this insight that I can bring back into the organization. And I think coming back to Crema's story, fast forward from where you and I were, were working with that marketing team at that, that health service or the, mm-hmm. the hospital um, network to where we are today, we could just, I mean, if we, if we had a, a big piece of paper, we could draw lines of access to conversations and referrals that we got from people and moments where you, you said, Hey, I'm just going to go talk to that guy or moments where I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to go ask her a question. Mm-hmm. And like, just being willing to like flex, mm-hmm. it sounds like this sounds, uh, I don't flex. What I mean by, I'm going to say flex that muscle. And I don't right. mean it like looking at your muscles, Dan, which are obviously much larger than mine. (laughs) I don't mean it as a, as a, um, oh, well, we're the the founders of this organization because we've seen our teams do it because let's Mm -hmm. be honest, you and I have stepped out of a lot of that role anymore. You and I are not involved Mm -hmm. in sales. Right. 
So our team is having to do the, that same access ritual, mm -hmm. if you will, to say, oh, I'm just going to ask. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to talk to that person. I'm just going to pick up the phone and call. I'm going to send them a text. Right. I'm going to go talk to the designers and go, well, what do you, what do you think? Yep. And we're always kind of looking to share that access and that insight. And it's even one of our brand promises now that we will bring and share our insights. Yep. And as an agency, I think that's a really unique thing that we get to do. And I want to kind of nerd out maybe just on the agency life for a second. Mm -hmm. We as an agency get this luxury, uh, privilege, it's a better word, to work on a variety of projects. And a lot of people come to work for an agency because they look forward to the variety of work. That doesn't always actually play out that way, just as a side note. Sometimes you're on a project for like two years straight. Right. But we do get to see a lot of things. And so we can take what we learned from the global consultant and apply it to the sales consultants that we're working with now. Mm -hmm. We can take the what we learned from cybersecurity and apply it to how engineering is thinking about accessibility. Right. We can we can start to draw these insights from different problems being solved in very similar ways. Mm -hmm. Just like me looking at a bunch of UX elements on designs early on, or you saying, ah, I mean, what if we tried this new project management process? You know, mm -hmm. what if we tried this new tool to collect the team and get everybody aligned? That that those insight steps have led us to where Kerma is today, which we get to really have these really meaningful conversations with teams and organizations and leaders, because really we've just collected the insights that we had from knocking on doors. Right. You know Yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a fear amongst leadership of like, well, we can't share everything. We've got to keep th some things close to the chest. We can't let that information out. We don't want people to know. Yeah. And I get it. You know, and depending on your industry, there's probably things you legally can't and should not share. It would just wouldn't be wise. It wouldn't be yeah. a smart move. I mean, I'm embezzling um, money to buy a yacht, but what yeah, else? that's right. That's right. You want to keep those things secret. Um, but I would maybe, you know, if if you're feeling I'm that not, way, just to be very clear, right? I'm, I'm there, okay. you know, disclaimer: there are no yachts being bought and no <laughs> embezzlement. Um, is to ask yourself is like, why am I holding on to this information? And if yeah. you genuinely yeah. have a good reason, great. But if you can use that information, or if that information would do one of many things. It would, it, it would free, um, maybe the, the feelings of uncertainty or ambiguity in mm. your, in your team, mm -hmm. uh, which, inc which increases culture and morale. If it would spark new ideas yeah. and create, just increase the overall, you know, creative IQ of your organization. Um, if that, if those insights would allow you to work in a way to where the, yeah, you are applying those to maybe different parts of your organization. So if you're in one division or craft or department, yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you share it with another one? Like, Hey, Hey, here's what we've learned. Why can't all of us operate this way? Or why can't all yeah. of us use this information? Then I would really go back to that premise of, you know, of, uh, you know, leading with fear around information. Um, information can be so valuable. Oh, and here's the other thing. You'll start making better decisions as a company. Mm -hmm. if, you, if everyone has more context, if everyone has more information um, that's useful for them, that's in a way that can be um, understood with clarity, people will start making better decisions. Uh, removing, faster too. Yeah, faster decisions, removing you from being 
the, you know, the person that they, everyone anchors to, to make a yeah. decision, which just creates bottlenecks and, and slows things down. So um, really think about that. Really think about that. If, if there's information you're holding on to ask yourself, why am I doing that? I think I've had to learn, and I'm curious to see what you think, Dan, on this. I've had to learn that, well, one, I'm transparent to a fault. So actually keeping information back is harder for me than it is sharing it. That being said, when there's things that we've decided, let's wait just a second before we announce this. Mm -hmm. I've had moments where like in the middle of that quote unquote, we decided to wait, somebody would like explicitly ask the question, what are we doing about that? And what I tend to not always, if it was sensitive, if, if I knew it was very sensitive, I, I, would, I, would, mm-hmm. I would say, you know what, we're, we'll have more information coming on that soon. One, I always gave them insight to say, I'm not hoarding this forever. We just want to make a couple of decisions before we share. So yep. there is, they're not left in a dark room, Yep. right? I think two is occasionally what I'll do is I'll say, okay, here's what we're thinking right now. Mm-hmm. But I want to be clear we haven't actually finalized the decision on mm-hmm. that and it might change. Mm-hmm. So I want you, cause I think a lot of leaders think, and, and I, I'm curious what you think. A lot of leaders think don't tell them because I might change my mind mm-hmm. and I don't want them to get distracted by the first decision I made if it was right or wrong mm-hmm. and then go off in the wrong direction mm-hmm. versus I kind of wish that leaders personally would just get comfortable saying, here's where I'm at now. This is what, this is what we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It may change. And we have every right to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Like changing your mind is not a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. not a negative thing. It's how right. we learn and adapt and grow. I, I'm, how do you, how do you think about that? No, is, I, is how you guard information and think about Yeah. That? Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you. I think um, more often than not, there are more opportunities to, approach something with that of, you know what, this is my first best guess. Yeah. And, um, this is how we're going to move forward for now. We're still collecting information. So things could change. Um, but trying to hide anything from, right. Right. But if they do change, it's because we're collecting more information. I think that's the thing with information. It's like, if you have incomplete information, it's probably not going to be helpful for you to share it. In fact, if it's not, if it's not complete, meaning you haven't collected all different perspectives or viewpoints, Yeah. Um, Or even maybe you set out to collect five pieces of data and you got two and it's like, oh, let's go ahead and share. It's like, well, could those other three pieces be really important here? How might they affect it? Um, You don't want to cause mass hysteria. You don't want to start saying things because I've I've worked at a place, my first job where information was shared and it was not complete and it was just a nightmare. And it was around compensation and bonuses and my friends were affected. I was not, but I was like, I made myself Awkward. a promise that day. I'm like, I'm never going to make a decision like that unless you know exactly. Uh, but that's with a very personal and very, that's a really, um, that information is really, uh, it can affect people personally, you know, yeah. compensation. So I think compensation is the one thing that we do hold relatively. So I think that's the other thing is the spectrum of, um, and we've recently learned this with our consultants is what's, what's, uh, irreversible and what's consequential or inconsequential yeah, yeah. and irreversible, yeah. you know, use that two by two matrix of, you know, how, ir- how reversible is this decision? Well, uh-huh. it's pretty reversible and it's not really consequential. Okay. And most decisions are yeah. reversible. Yeah. There's very Let's, few that you can't. 
then let's experiment with it. We'll move forward, you know, and we, we like language, like we're going to hold this loosely. We're going to move forward. We're going to keep monitoring, but we've got to make a decision. We've got to move forward um, because uh, we just can't stagnate. But then there are decisions where we may take a little bit Mm -hmm. and we'll let it sit. We'll process it. Um, We'll let people that were thinking about it and that a decision is pending. Right. But we may not make the decision just yet. And so I think, yeah, it just takes a lot of wisdom with information, but I think more often than not, we probably err on the side of holding back too much versus Mm -hmm. um, going through a a rigorous process of like, okay, I think we can, we can share this information. We can share this information. Yeah. And we have seasons where we're doing better work, better or worse that. And that's pretty normal. Um, It's interesting because it's all just data, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're learning with like machine learning and artificial intelligence, there's a big challenge and what, what insight can you actually gather from data? Mm-hmm. Data in and of itself is actually, what's the best way to say this? Data by itself has no meaning. Yeah, it's just, it's just information. It's just information. Um, I was actually just having a, a, this literally just had a conversation with um, Tom Sterner or Thomas Sterner from the, the author of the practicing mind and his whole uh, position is really more about um, being in the present, being in the moment. Um, how do you handle situations as they come? How do you really recognize that we're mostly on autopilot mm-hmm. as human beings? like 95% of ourselves is on autopilot. Only about 5% of anything we do on any given day is actually a decision. Yeah. Um, and, and he talked about the fact that even our emotions are really just data points. Like the fact that we feel anxiousness is just information. It doesn't have to affect us. Like we can learn to let it go. You can actually train your body to let that go. But we do, we, we give meaning to this data to the point where it just like balloons in our heads about oh, yeah. how important it is. And, and as leaders, then we start hoarding that data, that information. As individual contributors or as staff, you start like um, uh, coveting that information or being mm-hmm. jealous that you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, And I think for the most part, we can look back and go, most of the time when we shared stuff, we actually all did better work. Right. Like everybody relaxed a little bit. We were able to make decisions. People were empowered. Um, You and I didn't have to sit in every meeting. Right, (laughs) right, right. Um, And so it's interesting. If we started to open access, I think that's kind of what we're getting to. Mm -hmm. Two, Two themes. If you, if, if as, as leadership and as individuals, we really viewed the data and the insights and the information we had as more accessible, mm-hmm. we could all probably do better work together. Mm-hmm. But understand that everybody has access to something. Mm-hmm. And so don't think that you're missing out or that you've been siloed or you've been isolated when in reality, you probably have information that people around you don't know about. So like, how do you share that? How do you make yourself more accessible? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've been listening to the podcast for any period of time, you know that one of the big themes for us is destroy silos and destroy bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. Remove anything that's going to slow you down from like the one person that has to make every decision. Right. And yeah. So if the, you're- The theme of that is give access. Right. And if you're leading a product team and you're working with a client and you just started with them, Gaining access takes time because it's connected to trust and it's connected to your competency. Yeah, yeah. 
and your ability to deliver on the, the information and the insights that you have. And so um, as you're working with that client, especially if it's a big client with maybe lots of different layers and you want to get access to other divisions or, or whatnot within this, this client, um, listen intently. And this goes back to one of our, our brand promises is that we tell our clients that no matter what you, we will listen to you intently with intentionality because yep. we deeply care about, we want to know what's going on, what's in your world. Tell us about, you know, context. Everything. Yeah, context. Yep. Um, and then we will share insights generously and not just from the information you give us, but from the information we gather about your industry, about your competitors, about your space, about the technology you want to use, about the product you want to build. All of that then goes into greater level and depth of insight to where we're able to serve you better. And hopefully that leads to a longer relationship. Mm-hmm. It leads to other, other avenues within that organization to help other individuals that are, that are either directly associated with our client in our case, or um, their peers, their counterparts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, start with what you have, be a good steward of it, add to it through your own hard work and ingenuity and initiative, right. um, and then share it and share it with meaning, meaningful, um, share the insight in a meaningful way so that they can use it. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of going down the linear path and then I want to, we can wrap up. Just to kind of recap some kind of access or interesting moments where in Crema's history, where I went, I can't, this is, wow, where you and I are standing in this room or one of us has been in a room. And partly it's just because I'm, this is a little bit of like um, capturing some mm-hmm. of our journey. Mm-hmm. and sharing some of the experiences that we've had so people kind of understand where we're coming from, where even sometimes we, you and I still look up and we're like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, we mentioned the one with, with the hospital, um, but I think of when you and I were in New York talking to the investors of oh, yeah, one yeah. of the startups that we were working for, and just these, you know, these very wealthy individuals that are investing a lot of money into this startup that we were the primary partner to help them build this. And we're like literally on the top of the empire state building, like, you know, which we had special access to because of somebody, somebody knew somebody and in that moment of just being there Mm -hmm. and kind of stepping back and just recognizing, okay, wow. Okay. We're here. This Mm -hmm. is a really fun moment. And also where is this going to lead? Mm-hmm. Where's this, where's this taking us? Um, I think about being at South by Southwest, um, mm-hmm. launching, uh, Zarly, the first version of Zarly. It's much different now. Um, and jumping over a fence at a party for Nokia and meeting Ashton Kutcher. And at the time, Demi Moore, right? Like what <laughs> yeah. weird access to not get tackled by the, his bodyguards. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Um, and, and just being able to be there as that, this product launched at, one of the big, biggest tech moments. And that was at the height of like the tech industry launching yep. things at parties. Um, I think about you having conversations with either partners or soon to be partners of global consultants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could touch on that. Just kind of like some yeah. of the like really personal conversations that you've had opportunity to have. Yeah. Being able to, uh, and I think that's really, um, Unique and special when you are able to develop a good enough relationship, share insight, and yeah, you just develop enough rapport that you start to be able to have conversations about, you know, my, my kids have a baseball game next week. 
yeah. or, yeah. and then they say, Hey, how, how did that go? How, how was your, right. how'd right. that game go? Um, I think the coolest thing though, on even that project specifically is that your team starts to gain their own access yes. and be, yes. and be able to share their own insights. And one of our individuals, um, they were able to sit with our client, with one of their clients, which mm-hmm. is highly irregular and not in a bad way. It's not like say, oh, this is very irregular. No, but more like it doesn't happen. It's yeah. unique. It doesn't happen. They trusted us to be there. Yeah. And he was able to be there and help strategize and serve as one of our clients, basically counterparts. Mm-hmm. And um, he that rarely happens. And he so he got access to some meetings, not because he was, and I think that's the interesting thing. He wasn't necessarily directly looking for the access. He was just really doing a good job. Yeah. He was serving them well. He was contributing. He, he was, was bringing insight. He was bringing insight. He was bringing strategy to them based off his own research and what he would was hearing from them. And then he was invited mm-hmm. into that room to say, hey, we would love Interesting. for you to be there. We, Sometimes we're you're this invited to have access. Yeah. yeah. We talked about knocking on the door, but sometimes it's like, hey, come over here. Um, yeah. and, and you can't always predict when that's going to happen. I think. No, it took well over a year for that to happen for him, maybe 18 months. Right. And I think sometimes we're impatient for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the work that we did with Coffin Foundation here in Kansas City, um, working on both several platforms for them and how that led to conversations with Startup Weekend or, um, you know, those different organizations that were just scaling really fast or really affecting how the world thought about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And and being in, in these rooms or even at the front of some of those rooms, leading these conversations going, hey, you know, and actually we've seen this here, here, and here. Um, and then them going, actually, can you come into this other room? Right. We need to talk about that, about something else. Um, right. I think it's being willing to, to, again, tune yourself to see that, mm-hmm. tune yourself to look for it, mm-hmm. tune yourself to be kind of excited for it. Right. Um, even when at first it can be, it can be a little intimidating or it can feel like this is unfair. I am getting unfair. What's the right word? I'm being I don't know, disenfranchised or something like mm. I don't, I don't, this is unfair that I don't have access. Right. Um, but yet you're not, there's no patience to wait for that access. There's no right. adapting to listen to like, well, how can I bring insight to that room? If I did right. walk into that room, what would I bring? What value would I bring to them? Right. Yeah. I could just, I could just suck data out of them or could I bring something to them? Yeah. And access doesn't have to be in the big meeting behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, you could be working on a project and it's like, man, I would really love the senior vice president of sales input on this Mm -hmm. or perspective. It's like, all right, well then send him or her an email or if you use Slack Slack or Microsoft teams Teams, or whatever, whatever you use, just say, Hey, I've been working on this project for my team. And to be able to complete it, I could really use, uh, uh, I would love your perspective on this. And then whatever the question is. Yeah. I, I can't think, and maybe, maybe you can think of an example. I can't think of an example where when I've reached out to somebody and said, could I get your thoughts? Can I share something with you? Mm-hmm. That they said, no, go away. Right. You know, like there might've been people that said, right now is not a good time. Mm-hmm. And that might've been their really nice way of saying going away. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool. 
you know, I can go, I'll have to look at it from a different perspective or go to a different angle. Um, I did have one, one guy asked to be a mentor one time. He's like, this is just not a good time for me to be a mentor. I later found out why, and that's okay. Um, I think it's how we go and go, okay, well, I, that's not the right door to walk through. There's another door. There's another, Mm -hmm. there's another place that I could be taking the insight or taking the information or learning from, um, yeah, I just, I was thinking about the early days of crema. I was thinking about that mm-hmm. access and I, I was thinking about where we've come, come since then and how this is a theme yep. for breaking those, those silos and those, those yep. bottlenecks. Yep. Mm. I hope this has been helpful. If you have access or, um, places of, of influence that you're, you're getting insights from, uh, I'd love personally, I'd love to learn more about how you're thinking about the access either that you wish you had or, the access that maybe you're holding too tightly to. Uh, we're looking for stories of access right now. We're actually writing some content around this idea of access. And then really, how do you bring in aligned teams? Um, so shoot me an email, george at crema.us. And I, I know I just put my personal email right out there, but it's really accessible on the internet. If you want to <laughs> you can find it. Um, I would love, I would love to, to learn from you. I'd love to hear your story. So I'd love to, to have you share. Dan, it's always good talking to you. Chalking with you. It's always good chalking with you. It was good chalking with you. I'll bring the I'll bring the chalk next time. You're doing so good, Tilly. Better, dude. Cheers. This episode of People or Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with the support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People or Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.